Hey everyone, this is Jamie Austin, pastor of Woodlake Church. Thank you so much for listening today. If you'd like to know more about Woodlake, head on over to woodlake.church and enjoy this message. amazing volunteers. I've seen them doing so awesome today. We had a lot of weather to deal with this morning, uh, and they just did a great job. Hey, if you're new with us today, my name is Brandon. I'm one of the pastors here. If you were here at the beginning of service, uh, you got to meet my family, but if you're just now slipping in, this is my wife, Whitney, and our sons, Teddy and Riley. Uh, we got to celebrate Teddy being dedicated, and thank you so much for praying with our family this morning. That meant so much to us. Uh, and then our oldest son, Riley, just turned six yesterday, and so he, the sugar crashes, I think he might be home, at home and in bed by now. My parents took him out of here. Um, but we just love you guys so much. And when we talk about family at our church, we really mean that. Like, that's not just a phrase that you pass in the lobby. It's in all of our hearts, and it is how we roll here. And so thank you for being a part of our family. Now, if you are new today, I want to catch you up very quickly on this series called Mic Drop. And before we go into the week to week, I want to talk to you about what a mic drop even is. And so this is the definition that we've been going with all month. A mic drop is an instance of deliberately dropping or tossing aside one's microphone at the end of a performance or speech one considers to have been particularly impressive. So biblically, we're talking about the times that Jesus dropped the mic, like things were going a certain way, and he said, look, you think you know what the Bible really says, you think you know what my word says, you think you know, but you have no idea, and he flips everything. On the first Sunday, Pastor Jamie talked about how we deal with our anger, and he told us that ultimately, reconciliation's our responsibility. Jesus dropped the mic because they knew they weren't supposed to murder each other, and Jesus said, yes, that's wrong, but do you know if you hold anger against somebody, you've already murdered them in your heart. And uh, while we're talking about Pastor Jamie, he's actually traveling home right now from Africa. I know he's watching a little bit ago, but can you guys give it up for Pastor Jamie and their awesome family? Uh, and then we've got a bunch of people watching online today as well. Teresa, Chantel, my family watching from home. Thank you guys so much for being a part of us today. Well, then last week, Pastor Kendall came and he talked about the very, very difficult topic of dealing with adultery and what Jesus had to say about it. Well, ultimately, what Pastor Kendall said and what Jesus said is that sin starts in the heart and it has to be severed. We have to to deal with it. And so if you missed either one of those messages, I would encourage you go back and watch them online. They were both really powerful. As I was getting ready for today, I knew for a while now I was going to speak this morning, and I was thinking about mic drops that I remember. And my mind went right to comedy. I love comedy and those mic drops, just really funny moments. But then it hit me. You know that you have those memories from your life that they just hide somewhere and they just come back when you need them? Well, that happens to me. Uh, and I remember that in 2004, I was in a freestyle rap competition. <laughs> I didn't plan for you to laugh at the beginning of the story, but that happened last service too, so I waited a second. I know. So I go to this competition. What happened was my home church, everyone was really into rap. Now, by looking at me or hearing me talk or just taking a wild guess, uh, you would probably guess I'm not, and I'm not, and I wasn't. And so, but I thought like, hey, any chance to be on stage and do the thing, this is what we're doing? Okay, we're rapping today, we're rapping, I'm gonna rap, okay. And so I, I know how to talk pretty fast, I can rhyme, I can think pretty quick, and so I thought I would be good at it. And so I'm on the side of the stage, getting ready. I go up on the stage, of course I had my hood up, the whole thing. I go to do the rap, 
And then at the end of it, I wouldn't say it was a mic drop as much as a mic gently handed back to the host as I quietly walked back to my seat situation. And here's why that didn't go over very well. They knew then what you clearly know now, which is who you are is always gonna come out. I was way more punk rock than hip hop and that came across in everything that I tried to do that day. Well, today we're gonna look at another mic drop and that's what Jesus is talking about. Who you really are is always gonna come out. No matter what you do, no matter how you try to act, no matter how you try to talk or, or rap, who you are is always gonna come to the surface. And that's what we're talking about today in Matthew chapter five. So this passage in Matthew five is where we're pulling a lot of what we're talking about this month. And today we're gonna start in verse 37 or 33, going through verse 37. It says this, Again, you've heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not break your oath, but fulfill to the Lord the vows you have made. But I tell you, do not swear an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair white or black, all you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. Today, we're really going to take our time breaking this passage down because this one isn't as obvious. The last two weeks, they're pretty obvious. Like, don't kill people, don't commit adultery. Like, that is pretty easy to understand. But in this one, Jesus is going a little deeper. Jesus is going past those actions and those obvious sin issues, and he's saying that who you, what you say says a lot about who you are. He's telling them that your character is always going to come out in every word that you speak, and every word matters. And so to understand this, we really need to understand what the people understood at that time. And so for the next five minutes or less, we're going to go Bible nerd for just a minute. I need to help you catch up, and then we'll be past this part. So at this day and time, the people knew the law, which is we have it in our Bible now. It's in Numbers and Deuteronomy. The people knew that. They knew that God had certain laws that they were supposed to follow. And so they knew laws such as one in Numbers. And so I'm going to read you what Jesus said again, and then I'll go to the book of Numbers. Jesus said, again, you've heard it said to the people long ago, do not break your oath, but fulfill to the Lord the vows you have made. Okay, so Jesus is telling them, look, you know what the law says. It was said long ago. It's been here before any of us. Well, here is the law that Jesus is quoting, Numbers chapter 30. It says, Then Moses summoned the leaders of the tribes of Israel and told them, This is what the Lord has commanded. A man who makes a vow to the Lord or makes a pledge under oath must never break it. He must do exactly what he said he would do. So why does this matter? Just practically for a second, why would it matter that people make oaths? Well, the reason that this law was in there was to promote honesty. God was telling Moses and the people, look, if you are going to communicate with one another and if you are going to be my followers, you have to be honest. These oaths will keep you honest because if you make an oath in the name of God and you break it, terrible things will happen to you. And so that's what he's saying. Well, fast forward way into the New Testament to some of these letters and some of the things that were written to the church now right in the middle of the New Testament. James 5 says this. It says, but most of all, brothers and sisters, never take an oath by heaven or earth or anything else. Just say a simple yes or no so that you will not sin and be condemned. So why does the Bible go from saying if you're going to take an oath, you got to keep it to saying don't take one at all? 
Well, the answer's simple. We're really fickle. We are fickle people. And God knows that, and he knew that then. He knows that even the best people, without his help, we have really good intentions that we don't follow through with. See, the sin wasn't making the oath. The sin was breaking it, because ultimately, you're lying, you're breaking a commitment, and you're breaking a commitment to God and other people. As I was thinking about this, I had a really, really not great situation happen for me. So just a few weeks ago, we were coming home from church on a Wednesday night. Now, every Wednesday night, our young adult ministry hangs out after church. Can you guys give it up for Willie Young Adults? They are amazing. We love them so much. And so they hang out with us every week. It's kind of our normal thing. Well, my oldest son, Riley, loves this. He loves getting to hang out with them on Wednesday night. They treat him like he's the coolest kid in the world, and he just loves it. Well, this one particular Wednesday, I told him to go home with my wife, get ready for bed, and then I promised him we were going to grab something to eat, and the young adult group would come home with me and hang out with Riley. Okay, there are two very important details I missed in my promise to Riley. Number one, I was not accounting for how slow the restaurant was going to be that night. So we are way past bedtime before we come home. Number two, and way more importantly, I didn't tell Whitney that I said Riley could stay up all night and wait for us to get home. So I come home and I saw two faces that told me exactly what had happened. They clearly had been arguing and dad's in trouble from both sides. And so I walk in the house, I tell her what happened and we agreed that I am never gonna do that again. And so, the students came in the house, they hung out. Avery, who works here at the church, she's like Riley's best buddy, and they hung out for about five minutes. He went to bed, and he wasn't happy about it, and we all still love each other today. Well, what's the point? Well, the Bible is very clear that God and six-year-olds will not let you forget your promises. So today, we're going to talk about those character issues that maybe don't feel like character issues. Like for us, that's a funny story that happens to parents all the time. But maybe God is challenging us not just to work on what we say, but to actually work on our character. Matthew 5, going back to verse 34, says this, But I tell you, do not swear an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by the earth, for his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot even make one hair white or black. Now, he says, do not swear an oath at all, and most of us don't swear oaths. We don't say, I hereby swear, like we don't talk like that. But if you ever caught yourself talking to somebody, and you feel like they're not totally believing you, and you're like, no, man, I'm telling the truth, or I'm serious, or like hanging out with our young adults, they'll just say like, no cap, like this is the thing. So when you're talking to somebody, have you ever noticed the people that say that a lot? Like, it feels like almost every conversation, they have to start with, like, no, 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 I'm being serious. Well, why do they have to say that? That's an oath to say, look, I know I've lied to you before. I know that I make stuff up. I'm telling you right now, I'm serious. So here's a test for yourself. If you catch yourself doing that a lot, why can't we just trust what you say without you saying that? I know that's tough. I know it's difficult, and I promise this whole message applies to me, and we will keep talking about me the whole time, just so you know you're not alone. But today, I want us to work on this. I want us to work on how we can make ourselves more trustworthy. Uh, we read a commentary this week. There's this guy named B.B. Barton. He is genius. And one of the things he says about this passage is so convicting. He says this, people need oaths only when telling lies is a possibility. People need oaths only when telling lies is a possibility. I remember throughout my life, I've told a bunch of little white lies. Everyone, I think, probably has. And I had a friend do this to me one time. And for some reason, I've remembered it for like 10 years now. 10 years ago, 
I had a friend stay at my apartment. We were hanging out late one night. We're watching a movie. We got it on Redbox. I was leaving town the next day, and I told my friend, hey, when you leave, stay as long as you want, but just can you make sure to take that video back? Well, it was like a day or two later, and I never got that email that you get when you return a movie. And so I texted my friend, and I said, hey, man, did you ever take it back? And he said, yeah, I took care of it. About 30 minutes later, I got a receipt showing that he clearly got reminded by my text, took it back, and the dude cost me $2.99. Now, 10 years later, am I upset about $2.99? No, not at all. But do you think I trusted him as much with more important things? Of course not. The Bible tells us that if I can trust you with little, I can trust you with a lot. Well, that's not just biblical. That's just how we function as humans. And you know, I talk about my friend doing that. I've done stuff like that time and time again. It's those little things. You just try to cover for yourself. You don't even think about it. Like I would not have thought that he was like setting out to lie. He just wanted me to know I took care of it. Well, he didn't realize the three bucks, which again, not a big deal. I promise I'm over it. I really am. This is just an example. We're going to move on in a second. But maybe God's challenging us today that the little compromises really do big things to our character. Today, I want us to look into God's word and how we can learn how to be people of character. And so the first thing I want you to write down, and honestly, if you only want to write one thing, it's this. Our character speaks louder than our words. That's it. If you can get that today, awesome. Our character speaks louder than our words. And as you're listening today, I know in a crowd this size and with people watching it online, you might be here and you might not know that you believe in Jesus. You might not know that you believe in the Bible at all. Can I just encourage you? This is good stuff for all of us. I think we would all want to be people that are known as trustworthy and people with good character. And so let me let you off the hook. I feel like when people first come to church, you think, okay, I have to figure all this other stuff out. Then I can do what the pastor's saying. Well, today, let's just say small things. Let's just listen in and think, okay, how can I just generally be a better person? And then later we'll talk about the Jesus part. Matthew 5, 37, here's what he says. He says, all you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. This is where Jesus drops the mic. He tells them, look, I know you know you're not supposed to lie, and that's great, but you should live so well, and you should love God so much, and be such an upright person, that when you say yes or no, people take it at its word, and it just is what it is. People believe you because they have no reason to think otherwise. Jesus challenges their character. So today, we're going to talk about character a lot, and here's our definition we're working from. It says this, the moral and mental features that define a person, whether good or evil. The moral or mental features that define a person, whether good or evil. Here's my definition of that and kind of how it works. Our character is built in our heart. It lives there. So who we are, that's our character. That is in our heart and soul. We work it out in our mind. It's in our mind where we make the character decisions, but then it comes out through our words and our actions. And so today, instead of going right to deal with our heart and our mind and all that more complicated, deep stuff, we're going to just start with the basics. What happens in our words and our actions when we live with character? In Matthew chapter 12, Jesus has a lot to say about our words. He says this, a tree is identified by its fruit. If a tree is good, its fruit will be good. If a tree is bad, its fruit will be bad. You brood of snakes, how could evil men like you speak what is good and right? For whatever is in your heart determines what you say. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart, and an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. And I tell you this, you must give an account on judgment day for every idle word you speak. 
The words you say will either acquit you or condemn you. What Jesus is saying is that our character always comes out, good or bad. As I was studying this passage, there's one phrase in it that is one of the most convicting to me in the entire Bible. It's just two words. It says, idle words. So today, when we're talking about character, we're going to talk about idle words. And if you're anything like me, you use a whole lot of words all day, and you're bound to get a few of them wrong. And this is where God deals with me all the time. Now, there's kind of two definitions. The second one is way more convicting for me, but I've messed up in the first one too. And so can we just all be open to say we've all messed up? The Bible actually says that. It says we've all sinned and fallen short. So even if you feel like you're good in this area, just lean back for a minute and just think, okay, God, how could I get better at this? Well, idle words might be one of the ways you could do that. Here's the first definition. It says, idle words are broken promises, unkept commitments, and unpaid vows. Today, as I was looking at this and throughout the week, I just kept getting this idea that the reason that that definition is the way that it is, is because our level of commitment really shows our level of character. If we'll stay committed to someone, to something, to what we said we're going to do, often that means we're a person with good character. As I was thinking about some different times I've messed this up, and I promise there are many, I thought back to when I was in high school. It was about my senior year. I think I might have been about to graduate, and it was kind of a summertime thing. And my friends were involved in another church that was doing a summer revival. I don't know if you've ever been to one of those, like the old school, put the tents outside, the whole thing. Uh, And I got asked to play. I'm a musician. I used to play guitar all the time. Well, at this point in my life, I was playing like all the time. And I got invited to play, and I was really excited to go be a part of this worship team. Well, I go to do the event that night, and earlier in the day, some of my friends had invited me to a show. They had an extra ticket. Well, I'm in high school, and I was like, that sounded better than sweating under the tent that night, and so I went. I went with my friends to the show. I realized as we were driving that I'd never called the worship leader that invited me to play. It was soundcheck, and I wasn't there. So I called that church, and sure enough, he answers the phone, and there's just an empty spot on the stage where I should have been jumping around. And he said no big deal, and it was fine, and we moved on, and we never talked about it again. But you know what didn't happen after that? I never got asked to play on that worship team again. Those friends that I was tight with at that church, I didn't really talk to as, as, talk to as often as I used to, and I didn't get phone calls like that from them again. Why? Broken commitments lead to broken relationships. Often it's those small things that add up and put a wedge between us and the people that God brought into our life. And so today, if you're here and you're thinking, look, I really don't struggle with the big stuff, I would challenge you. Sometimes the small stuff makes the biggest difference. I remember there was one night I'd promised Whitney I would do something, and to me it was nothing. It was literally like we couldn't remember exactly what happened. It was like pick up something, move something, do something. Well, I hadn't done it, and she was upset, not because it was such a small thing and whatever. She was upset because that told her in that day at that moment that she couldn't trust me as her husband to do what I said I was going to do. The little things really are the big things, and the Bible tells us that time and time again. Now, the second part of this I told you is the one I struggle with even more. So let's go to another definition of idle words. Idle words are words that accomplish nothing. If you're a person like me that you talk for fun and for a living possibly, you're going to do this a lot. I use a lot of words. And the book of Proverbs is so painfully specific about how that's not what you're supposed to do. And so I want you to listen to these verses. Proverbs 10:19. Too much talk leads to sin. Be sensible and keep your mouth shut. 
Proverbs 17, 28, even fools are thought wise when they keep silent. With their mouth shut, they seem intelligent. And then this one, I didn't even have to look in a different translation. This is the translation I use all the time, and I love the way it says this. Proverbs 18, 6, fools' words get them into constant quarrels. They are asking for a beating. <laughs> the mouths of fools are their ruin. They trap themselves with their lips. It, that was loud. <laughs> I can see people laughing at the top. They heard you all the way through. My wife is not one of many words, but she uses them with precision. Um, I do. I get myself into trouble all the time. And what's really funny is if you're in a close group of friends or family that knows you well, there's that one person in the circle that could see it about to happen and give you the look to shut your mouth now or you're going to get a beating. Maybe just emotionally, but something's going to hurt. Well, I'm one of those people that the more tired I get, the more the words just start flowing. And I was remembering there was one night we were hanging out. Pastor Kendall and Rachel had had our family and Pastor Brady and Megan over to their house. And I was just sleepy. And we were playing this game called Pass the Pigs. If you've ever played it, it's like dice. You throw these pigs on the table, get points, whatever. Well, the way the game works is you keep racking up points, but if they land wrong, you could lose everything. And so you have to choose when to end your turn. Well, Megan kept losing all night, and I thought that was the funniest thing in the world. And so we get down. It's close to the end of the night. She has racked up like 100 points. She's going to win. She throws the pigs, lands them wrong, and I was merciless against Megan. Like, I apologized in first service because she was in here. I lost my mind. I was goofy. Now, that is one of the more acceptable ways that I can go off when I'm tired. One of the less acceptable ones is when I just get mad. And this one just happened a few weeks ago. Now, you might look at me and think, like, I can't even imagine you mad. And honestly, I don't get mad often, but when I do, I make it count. And so <laughs> I was home with my kids, and parents will know this. You know those few minutes when it's not quite bedtime yet, but you sure wish it was? It was one of those days. I'm holding my son, Teddy, our, our younger son. He's sitting with me. Riley's on the other end of the couch. And I don't remember what Teddy did. I think he knocked something out of my hand. He might have headbutt me. I don't know what he did, but I didn't like it. And I just held Teddy, sweet little Teddy that you saw earlier. I held him. And I just go, Teddy, you are just the worst. And I said that in his little face. Well, my older son looks at me like I had just done what I literally did and yelled at his brother. And he looked at me so sad and he repeated something we've said a thousand times. He goes, Dad, he's too little. He doesn't know. I know. <laughs> and that's when I realized the Holy Spirit is not going to just convict me through his mom he or through the kid's mom. He has backup. The kids themselves are now going to be tiny voices of the Holy Spirit. They're going to make me feel terrible when I'm already tired and I can't handle conviction. I just want to go to bed. This is what it means when it says idle words. Me snapping at my one-year-old and telling him he's the worst accomplished nothing. Like at worst, I'm speaking something bad over his life. At best, I'm just upsetting his brother. But either way, it didn't accomplish anything. And our character can't take a break just because we're tired and worn out. Our character can't take a break just because we're feeling a little unfiltered and the filters are off of our mouth and our life. Oh, one of the commentaries we read a lot is by this guy named Warren Wearsby. Here's what he says. It is by our conversation at unguarded moments that we reveal our true character. Often we are not our true selves when we're putting on our best face, when we're saying things the right way and we're really thinking about how we speak. If you wanna know how you're doing in this area, how are you when you're completely relaxed, completely tired, or completely upset at your most unfiltered and your most vulnerable? If you can admit to me today that you have some work to do then at your worst moment, 
then we all just have some work to do. So I'm going to give you a simple test. This is so, so easy. I bet they're learning harder things in kids' church today. Here it is. Do I sound like Jesus? Man, that's tough. Would Jesus have snapped at Teddy like that? No, he just would have magically made him stop. But Jesus <laughs> would not have snapped at Teddy like that. He wouldn't have. There's plenty of things I say when I'm sleepy that I am sure Jesus himself would not say. So for you, as you're dealing with conflicts with your family, maybe in just one little moment when that happens this week, if it does, I hope you remember me saying this. Did you sound like Jesus just now? Because Jesus loves your family even more than you do, and it is our responsibility as parents, as spouses, as friends. I need to show Jesus to everyone in my life, and if I am giving my kids a bad picture of him, how am I going to get any of you to say yes to him today? We have got to sound like Jesus. Colossians 4 says this, live wisely among those who are not believers. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. Yeah, I didn't say this in first service, but I just feel led to. You know, when there's turmoil in our nation, in our city, people look to the church all the time, and so often we are quick to share opinions before we share Jesus. And I just want to challenge you, when you get tempted to talk about something, and I know we have strong stances on things, I do too, just remember that verse. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive. Because ultimately, we want to go to heaven one day, and I don't know about you, but I want to take as many people with me as I can. So do I sound like Jesus? The next question has to do with our actions. 1 John 3 says this, Dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let's show our truth by our actions. Our actions will show that we belong to the truth, so we will be confident when we stand before God. Now today, when I talk about character and our actions, I'm not going to talk about the big issues. I know those are important, and if you're dealing with that today and you feel convicted and you need to deal with it, awesome, I'm with you, we'll pray with you. But today, I want to challenge us on those little compromises that don't quite seem as obvious. Now, when I was a kid, I remember when Napster first came out. Do any of you remember Napster, like the OG Napster? Not that they've done new stuff since then, like the original Napster. Well, this came out in like 99 or 2000, and I will never forget logging into my parents' Dell, downloading Napster, and enjoying one hour of waiting on an internet to download a three-minute song for the first time. Well, that was the beginning of me pirating music like a rebel. And so I spent the rest of high school into college. My friends and I would swap music all the time. This was before subscriptions like Spotify and all that stuff. And I did this like all through my young adult life. I will never forget there was one week that the church had this box that came in. We got them all the time for the youth ministry. And it was this box full of CDs, and they were supposed to be played at church. Like, literally, there was fine print in there, like, this is to use in your youth ministry, play as kids come in, that kind of stuff. Well, I had taken the box home with me that day, and I went to rip all of it into my computer so I could take the church CDs and have them on my iPod. Um, and I don't even know if Joe remembers this, but I was talking to Joe Willis that night, and this is like a while ago, and I told him what I did. And he was like, was that a good integrity decision? And I thought about it for a second, and I was like, I guess not. Now, as rebellious as I was in ORU, I was stealing Chris Tomlin CDs digitally. So like, I haven't done anything that bad, I guess. But... <laughs> Sin is sin. And when he asked me that question, I'm like, okay, so does the box say that I agree that I'm not going to use this this way? Yeah. And so I felt convicted about it, and I only did it a few more times after that. (laughs) 
These little things are the things that we can laugh about, but they're a real good indicator of where our character's at. Now, if you're here today and you think I'm gonna start punking on you for whatever thing that you do that falls into that category, well, one, no, but two, if you're feeling convicted about something related, that's on you and Jesus. Today, I want us to deal with those little things. Now, back at that point in my life, I was ready for that. There were other points in my life, I joke about it, I really did deal with way bigger stuff and there was bigger issues in my life and things God had to deal with. Well, on the days when God's dealing with the big stuff, maybe we don't feel bad about the little stuff, but over time, God works on those. And there's actually a verse that talks about this, and I never realized it before. In the book of 1 Peter, it says this, you must live as God's obedient children, I get that, don't slip back into your old ways of living to justify your old desires. You didn't know any better then. I never caught that verse, and maybe it's just a translation thing or what. I never realized it said that. It says, you didn't know any better then. But now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. Last weekend, I was talking to some of our students. Um, part of the young adult ministry is we have something every weekend for them, and we had a Bible study. And one of the guys was telling me about how he'd gone to a concert, and before he'd listened to that artist a bunch, whatever, and for whatever reason, that day, him and his friend just didn't feel right at the concert, but they felt weird because they spent so much on the tickets, and so they just ended up hanging out in the lobby the whole time. And you know what I loved about that story? It wasn't our pastors or some mentor saying, bro, you don't need to listen to that stuff. It was him in the moment realizing that somehow, from the last time I listened to this guy or the last time I went to a concert to now, God's changed something in me, so now it doesn't feel the same. Family, I'm telling you, the Bible is so clear that we start our faith as infants. That means you don't have to figure everything out at once at all, and there will be things that God works out in you day after day after day as you get a little bit more like Jesus than you were the day before. That's how character works. That verse talks about holiness, and the definition says this in the original language. It lists off all the things that are a part of being holy, and it says, God, who is transcendently distinctive, unique, majestic, perfect, and pure. So if the Bible calls us to be pure, I think we can all do a little work to get a little closer to that. That same commentary I read you earlier, here's what it said about holiness. It says, God's holiness means that he is completely separated from sin and evil. Holiness pervades his character. He is holiness. So today I want to ask you another simple question. Do I sound like Jesus? And then secondly, do I act like Jesus? I know that's so easy. And like I said, the kids are learning harder stuff today, I'm sure. But if we can really act like Jesus and we can care about acting like Jesus, not only will we have a better relationship with him, we'll bring other people along with us. Matthew 5, let's go back to our main passage again. We're almost done. Again, you've heard it said to the people long ago, do not break your oath, but fulfill to the Lord the vows you have made. But I tell you, do not swear an oath at all. Jumping down, it says this. All you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. Remember our main idea for today. If you didn't write it down earlier, write it down now. Our character speaks louder than our words. You know, as I was thinking, how do we actually work this out? Like, it's not good enough. I don't want to just make you feel bad because that's like the worst thing that can happen at church is you just leave. Like, I feel like a worse person now. I'm glad I came today. That's not what we're here for. The Holy Spirit will bring conviction, but ultimately God brings life change and we should leave feeling better about ourselves and our life. And so I was thinking about how to deal with this and kind of the most basic way to understand this is lying. So Jesus is essentially saying, have good enough character that you won't lie. Now, I don't know about everyone in the room. I'm sure there's a ton of different personality types in here. I am an absolutely awful liar. 
terrible. Like if I want to surprise my wife with something, I need to be just as surprised as she is. And there was one summer that this came up more than any other. We were on a trip with our interns and I think our young adult ministry. We went on a little retreat and I bought this game because it said it was for like a ton of players. And the game was called The Resistance. So the whole point of this game is you're basically just sitting around a circle talking. Like that's the whole game. Some of you are bad guys. Most of you are good guys. And the game is you figure out who the bad guys are. Well, as a terrible liar, I hate games like this. And I regretted it immediately. And so we're sitting around the table, and of course, I'm the first bad guy. And it's like my turn right away. So we hand out all this stuff. It comes to me, and they ask one question, like, so are you it? I go, yeah, I'm the bad guy. This game's stupid. And I left. I was done. I couldn't do it at all. Now, before you think I'm bragging about not being a good liar, here's what I am really good at. I'm really good at lying to myself. I didn't realize how good I was until we talked to our counselor about it. See, when we talk to our counselor, we tell her everything, just kind of everything in our life. And, and as we talked to our counselor, she pointed out something in me that I'd, I have dealt with since the day I met Jesus, is that I will allow myself to sin if I convince myself I'm not doing anything wrong. I can lie to you all day. I just got to lie to myself first and really believe the ridiculous thing that I'm saying. And our counselor told me that day, she said, be careful that yes, you are a very honest person, you have high character, people think that about you and all that, and that's true. But just be careful that you don't use that as a crutch to allow you to lie, yourself, lie to yourself so much that you'll believe what you're saying when you tell somebody else. Family, I know that I'm a work in progress and I don't do that nearly like I used to, but if I'm gonna make any decision, any sin, even the little issues, like the night that I snapped at Teddy when I shouldn't have, I was justified because I was really tired. He really was kind of being the worst that day. I can say things like that and think things like that and I can allow myself to lash out at my kids or at my wife and I can be mean and I can say hateful things and I can do things that contradict the Bible if I think it's justified in any way. So today, maybe that's you and like me, you got to dig a little bit deeper today to allow the Holy Spirit to work on your heart. Well, as we get ready to close things today, I want to read you the most convicting verse, in my opinion, in the entire Bible. It says, it's in Psalm 139, search me, O God, know my heart, test me and know my anxious thoughts, point out anything in me that offends you and lead me on the path of everlasting life. If you pray that, God will listen and God will answer. So a simpler way to pray that today, it's a little clunky, but it's a little easier to remember. Lord, show me how I've lied to me. That's it. Lord, show me how I've lied to me. When you pray that prayer, he will convict you through your kids, through your spouse, through someone at work, through a billboard that you drive by, through a commercial that plays. He'll show you in all kinds of different ways. He'll help you figure out where you're missing it. But here's the thing. God doesn't just convict. He also brings change. One of my favorite verses when dealing with these really difficult areas is in the book of Philippians. Philippians is a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to a church in Philippi, and he was helping them with how to follow Jesus when their leadership wasn't there. Paul had come in, he taught them everything, and he said, okay, I'm going to write letters to you so you can still love Jesus even though I'm not there to help you. And so here's what he says. Dear friends, you always followed my instruction when I was with you, and now that I'm away, it's even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. The desire and the power. Today, if you felt convicted about something, you might not have the desire to give it up yet. You're like, oh, I do have an issue with that, but I would like to keep doing that thing when I go home today. 
the Bible tells us that he actually gives us the desire to do the right thing. He doesn't make us feel bad. He gives us the desire. And then that next part's even more important. He gives us the power to do what he's called us to do. Today, all over the world, the church is celebrating Pentecost Sunday. Pentecost Sunday celebrates the day that the Holy Spirit came on Pentecost and filled the believers to ultimately have power for all eternity. I, I want to read you the passage about Pentecost as we get ready to pray today. It's in Acts chapter 2. It says, On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit, began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Today, as we celebrate Pentecost Sunday, I would love to see you filled with the Holy Spirit. The Bible is very clear that when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we have new gifts and we have access to things spiritually we never saw before. Uh, we see people that do. They speak in tongues, another language. We'll see people give words of prophecy. We'll see healing when the Holy Spirit comes on people. And today, I want you to have an opportunity to receive that. But if you're not there yet, and you're like, look, I don't even know Jesus. I definitely don't want my head to catch on fire or whatever you just read to me. Listen to me this morning. The Holy Spirit doesn't just give us power for ministry. He gives us power for life. The Holy Spirit came into the world because just like Paul knew he was leaving that church, Jesus knew he was physically leaving the earth, and we needed someone to help us to walk this thing out. We are ready for sin all the time. It is in our nature to do the wrong thing. It's why a little kid, very, very young, can start telling lies out of nowhere because it is in us to sin. But the Holy Spirit empowers us to have the desire and the power to do what God's called us to do. Earlier today, I told you if you're new to church that you could just listen to all this and it's great principles for life. And that is true. And some of these things will help you. It would be great if you didn't lie. It would be great if you connected with people. Pastor Kendall said this a few months ago during our Bridge Builders series, that every conversation builds barriers or bridges between us and the people that we communicate with and ultimately Jesus. That's all really good stuff. But can I challenge you today? If you would be willing to be open to Jesus in your life, you don't have to do it alone. Those days when you feel like, what is being a good person even worth? Well, I can tell you what it's worth. It's worth everlasting life for you and for the people that God puts in your path. And that is a life worth living. If you're struggling with purpose today, there's no greater purpose than following the Lord. And I'm not saying that to get you into heaven later. I'm saying that to have you bring heaven here now. Our world is a mess, but all it needs is the Holy Spirit and Holy Spirit empowered people that would just love people like Jesus would. If you could, bow your heads and close your eyes all across this room. If you're here today and you want to say yes to the Lord, I'm going to make it real simple. I'm going to count to three and I want you to raise your hands. The Bible is clear. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short. We've all made mistakes. If you want to say yes to Jesus today for the first time or the first time in a long time, I'm going to count to three and I want you to say yes. You're not saying yes to a whole bunch of stuff. You are saying yes to a relationship with Jesus. The rest works itself out next. If that's you and you want to say yes to him today, I'm going to count to three and I want you to raise your hand. One, two, three. All across this room, I want to say yes to Jesus today. Raise your hand high so I can see it and pray with you. If you're watching online today and you're saying yes to the Lord, make sure you let Pastor Dennis know. If you're here today and you just need some work in any area, I want you to pray this prayer too, because I believe that the Bible is very clear. It says we've all made mistakes, and honestly, we may have made many even today. 
And so allow the Holy Spirit to do your work in your life. If you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit today, we'll pray that over you. And we'll say a lot more about the Holy Spirit on Wednesday night at our prayer meeting. So don't miss that. Well, family, would you repeat after me? Say, dear Jesus, you are the Son of God. You died for me, for my sin, in my place. Forgive me and make me new. From this day forward, I'm all yours. In Jesus' name, amen. At Woodlake Church, our passion is to help you connect with God, find your sweet spot in ministry, and grow in your faith. Everyone is welcome at Woodlake. If you've never been to church before in your life, or if you're a lifelong Christian, Woodlake is a place where you can experience real and lasting spiritual growth. Music is upbeat. The messages are straight from God's Word. They're very practical. We also have great programs for infants through 12th grade. I mean, we have something for everyone. Come check us out this weekend. I promise you'll be glad you did.